Good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore, and I'm so excited that you're on the call with us. It just brings my heart such great joy that we assemble around this very, very important, in fact, the most important human relationship that is responsible for every other relationship in God's order, and that is marriage. And we are praying and declaring the kingdom of God will come to the hearts of husbands and wives. You know, I appreciate last week a few of our local team here and Amy and a few others got a chance to go on a cruise and I declined the internet service on purpose and so that we could truly, so that I could truly unplug. Each one obviously made their own decisions, but I wanted to unplug. And, you know, it was just a, a great, great time. I thank you for your prayers. And I also thank you just for being faithful to the call, you know, even even in my uh, absence and, and Amy not being here. We really, really sincerely appreciate um, if I could take my heart out of my my chest and show it to you, I it would just be pulsating. Well, it is red, but it'd be pulsating, and you would see the gratefulness that I have in my heart for all that you guys are doing to support what God has given us to do here. And, of course, you know, Linda, if you're on the call tonight, thank you so much. I'm so thankful for friends and ministry partners like Linda Vega, um, I've known her for over 15 years, and she continues to be a blessing and a strength to me and the things that God has called me to to do. And I got some real positive feedback from last week, so thank you uh, for sharing that with me. I did get a chance to listen to the call. It was awesome. And so, again, thank you again for your faithfulness to the call. Well, next week we're going to be sharing phase two of the marriage reform prayer call. You know, for almost 18 months, we've prayed every week for kingdom mindsets in marriage. We've been decreeing truths that apply to husbands and wives, and, and these, that these truths will become a reality in each one's heart, that we can manifest the kingdom of God and resume his lordship here on earth, even through us. You know, the, the example I, I like to use is that you know, when we pray, it's like it's like the Air Force. It's like the United States Air Force. And whenever there is a war or a situation that's going on, the Air Force is is usually the first one, or in recent times, is the first military uh, group that goes in. And what they do is they they man the airways, but they also take out. Uh, strategic targets in the hostile territory, targets that threaten the effectiveness of ground troops. And so over the past year, we have been praying. We have covered the United States. Many of you are representing states on this line. We have covered those states as God continues to bring more states and add them to this work. But we've been the Air Force over the past 18 months. We've been blanketing this nation with the word of God, a kingdom word that transcends male and female, husband and wife. But we also have to go in and take territory. We can't just have an air game. We must also have a ground game. And so phase two is that ground game strategy, and we will be talking about that next week. So I hope you plan to be a part of that call. Well, tonight is the first Wednesday, so we'll be taking questions at the end of the call. So if you have a question during the call or something comes up while I'm speaking, if you will text Amy at 678-754-0867. Again, let me give you that number, 
678-754-0867. And just give her your name and your question, and we'll try to get as many in as time will allow. Usually we'll end up here at 930, and then we try not to go past 10 o'clock. And so we'll try to do as much as we can in that time. But for tonight, what I want to talk about and pray about uh, before we take questions uh, is divorce and remarriage. And, and let me just say that there is no way that I am going to cover the breadth of that topic uh, in this next 10, 15 minutes. But what I want to do is just pull out one scripture and look at it. Um, and then uh, also on my blog, uh, More on Relationships, that's my last name, More on Relationships, you can go and read more detail about what I'm talking about tonight. There is a part one and two, and there's, there's a part three coming. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And so tonight I just want to look at one scripture, uh, actually one chapter that has this one scripture kind of tucked in this chapter. So let me go ahead and read the scripture first, and then let me back up or, and, and um, talk about it. Uh, one thing before I do, let me just give you some disclaimers here, and I think it's real important because anytime we talk about marriage and divorce, and anytime we uh, talk from the word, there is subject uh, to misinterpretation. So let me be very, very clear here for those of you on the line and those of you who may be listening. Number one, I am not or am not advocating divorce. Number two, the decision to divorce rests with the husband, wife, and God. Three, as a minister of the gospel, I am first and foremost concerned with each one's safety, whether it be a husband or a wife, and the ability, their ability, each one's ability to freely respond to God without repercussion. And then four, uh, assessing, the, assessing the physical, mental, and emotional safety of a husband or wife may require professional help, uh, a, a, a pastor or a professional counselor, um, certainly um, a spiritually and emotionally mature believer. And I say spiritually and emotionally mature because, honestly, I don't believe that you can be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. They, they just don't go together. And so then number five, and the last disclaimer I want to say here or point that I want to make is every situation is different and should be evaluated on its own merits according to kingdom principles. So with those disclaimers in mind, let's look at the verse, and then let me talk briefly about it, and then what I want to do is pray and then take your questions. The verse is Luke 16, 18, and you're probably familiar with it. It says, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman uh, commits adultery, and everyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Now, I know the scripture is talking about a man divorcing his wife in the Old Testament, uh, the law of Moses. He was speaking to men about divorcing and putting away their wives. Um, and to then, women were not viewed in the same way as Jesus viewed them in the New Testament. Having said that, um, there are women and wives who would um, 
uh, we can we can use that we could say everyone who do, who divorces his husband her husband and marries another man commits adultery and whoever marries this husband uh, and whoever marries um, a husband divorced from from his wife commits adultery the point that i'm making is that while it is male a directed to male um, the things that we're going to be talking about are spiritual and thus could apply to a woman or to a wife. So now having read that verse, now let's go put it back in the context. So Luke 16 is talking about the love of money. This is the whole chapter. It's talking about the love of money, dishonest gain, and hypocrisy. In verses 1 through 12, there's the parable of the dishonest manager who was squandering and embezzling money from the rich man who employed him. And in verse 8, he's even given credit for being shrewd because he said to himself before he was, he was going to be, he was about to be fired. And before he was fired, he made friends with those that owed the rich man by reducing the amount of their debt. He had them tear up the paper and write a new amount on there. So these people were happy because just think about it. On one owed this man a hundred, a hundred measures of olive oil. He said, look, Take your invoice, sit down quickly and write 50 on it. Another, he owed 100 uh, measures of wheat. He said, look, write 80. So basically he was reducing their debt, made them happy, but also uh, enjoined them to him and made, them, made friends with them because he helped them out. Then verse 13 concludes the parable by saying, it is possible, it is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised, and the other will have your loyal devotion. It is no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one, love one and definitively, definitively reject the other. First John 2.16 says, All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is all that's in the world. That's the wealth of this world. Now remember, Luke 16 is talking about the love of money, dishonest gain, hypocrisy, and now Jesus is saying, look, you're going to have to decide who you're going to serve because you can't serve you can't serve the world and serve me. You can't serve the lust of the flesh, the 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 lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You can't love money and love me at the same time. And then verses 19 through 31. So we just read, we just I just summarized um, Luke 16, 1 through 12, ending in 13, where no man can serve two masters. And now I'm going to skip over the next chunk, and then and I'm going to come back to that. But then Luke 16, 19 through 31 is the story of the rich man, again, money, who was very materialistic. He dressed in expensive clothes, and he enjoyed fine dining. He's contrasted against a poor man named Lazarus. And Lazarus lay at this rich man's gate day in and day out. He was covered in sores. He had tattered clothing. And the Bible says the rich man showed him no mercy during their lifetime. They both died. One went to hell. One went to heaven. The rich man was so tormented that he asked Abraham to let Lazarus dip his finger in water to cool off his tongue. He was in such agony. And Abraham told the rich man that during his lifetime, he received his good things just as Lazarus the bad thing. But now Lazarus is comforted while you will remain in agony. And there's no way for us to change this because there's a chasm, verse 26 says, that is fixed between us. 
so that even if we wanted to come to you, we couldn't, and no, nor can you come to us. And so it's not whether we're rich or poor, but how we live our lives in relation to Christ, the Word, and others that really matters. So this isn't a statement against wealth or anything like that. It's just saying it's it's looking at the attitudes and behaviors that these different ones had toward wealth. And Jesus said, you can't do both. You're going to have to serve me. And if your wealth comes as a result of serving me, that's great. Continue to worship me. Continue to serve me. Now, in between these 25 verses are four verses, of which Luke 16, 18 is the last one. So four verses inside of 25, and I want to read them because it's, it's, it's important. So here it is, Luke 16, 14 through 18. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all the things and scoffing at him. And he told them, you are the one, this is Jesus speaking, you are the ones who justify yourself in the sight of others, but God knows your heart. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, and everyone is urgently invited to enter it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of of a letter in the law to drop out. Verse 18. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and everyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. So there's a few things in these verses here that that Jesus brings our attention to. One, they were lovers of the, speaking to the Pharisees, they were lovers of money. They practiced self-justification instead of Christ justification. They practiced self-justification, number two. They, or three, they pretended to be one way in public and another way behind closed doors, which Jesus condemned. Three, they were admired by men, but they were revolting in the eyes of God. They were an abomination, one translation says, in the eyes of God. And they hid behind the law. The verse 16 says this, the law of Moses and the revelation of the prophets prepared you for the arrival of the kingdom announced by John. And now this wonderful news of the kingdom is preached. That is, the kingdom is here now. And so finally we got to this verse, this verse 18. It's like it it doesn't even seem to fit in a conversation about money and dishonest gain and and hypocrisy and this loving of the world. And so it, 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 it almost is like this lone verse. It's like, what is it doing there? It's like an outlier, and it doesn't fit. It doesn't appear to fit this conversation that they're having. And what does divorce and remarriage have to do with dishonest gain, with, with, with loving money, with, with um, uh, what, what does it have to do with what Jesus is talking about here? And then how do we establish as a doctrine uh, that divorce and remarriage is a sin. First of all, there's nothing in this scripture that says divorce and remarriage is a sin. Let me be clear about that. And I know this is challenging to some, but please stay with me. That it doesn't say divorce and remarriage here is a sin. I know God hates divorce. I, I, I know that. Stay with me for a second. But based on this scripture, it is not calling divorce and remarriage a sin. 
The only way we can arrive at that is if we take this one scripture out of the context of 25 other verses. If we take these four verses and this one in particular outside of the context of 25 verses. Jesus, what he did in this verse, in this four verses, he took away the crutch of the law because the Pharisees used the law. Remember I said Jesus pointed out that they used the law to hide. And so Jesus took away the crutch of the law when he said that that the, the law was preparation to bring you to the kingdom. So you can't even lean on the law here, guys. Jesus was dealing, in verse 18, Jesus was dealing with the motives of the Pharisees. In other words, here's what Jesus was saying. Divorcing and remarrying may hide lust, adultery, and sexual sin from men, but not from God. You cannot be one way in public and another way in private and it be okay with God. Besides, Hebrews says, all things are naked and open to whom we must give an account. There is no thought that is hidden from God. Number two, Jesus is saying divorcing and remarrying was not the problem. It was their inclination to lustfulness, sexually self-indulgent, vulgar behavior. Jesus summed it up in the word adultery. They were using divorce and remarrying to satisfy their sexual appetite and to appear righteous. Jesus was not addressing divorce and remarriage. He was addressing sexual sin. He called it adultery, and adultery was hiding under the pretense of divorce and remarrying according to the law of Moses. So we've got to be clear about that. This, This chapter is not about divorce and remarriage. This verse is an example of dishonest gain. This verse is an example of of hiding and pretending. This verse is an example of appearing one way in public, but behind closed doors in their heart there was lust and deceit. This verse is an example of using the law to try and justify themselves. Where do you get all this? This same conversation was had in Mark uh, 10, 1 through 12. And we don't have time to go there. I write about it in my blog. And, but but the, the point that I really want us to, to, to grab a hold here, that the verse does have an audience. It's just not every single person in the body of Christ because every single husband and wife in the body of Christ is not given to dishonest gain. Every husband and wife in, di- in, the, in the body of Christ is not given to hiding and lying. Every husband and wife in the body of Christ is not given to a lewd sexual appetite. This verse is written to those who intend to use divorce and remarriage to satisfy their sexual appetite, to satisfy sexual pleasure. It's not for every husband and wife contemplating divorce. And again, in my blog, part one and two, I discussed Mark 10, 1 through 12. Uh, This is uh, Michael and Holly. Excuse me for that. Please, guys, keep yourself muted. In both cases, in in Luke 16, 14 through 18, and Mark 10, 1 through 12, in both cases, Jesus is talking to obstinate, defiant lovers of money, who were given to dishonest gain, these were religious, 
men that were using marriage to fund and divorce and remarriage to fund their sexual appetite, to meet their sexual appetite. He's not talking to Jesus. is not talking to God-fearing, God-seeking, yielding, earnest men and women who love God and are devoted to God and are truly, sincerely trying to understand the mind of God in their particular marital circumstance. We need to understand that because we have used the word and people have remained um, in, 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 in bondage because they are applying scripture out of context. This scripture is written to the Pharisees. It's not written to the devoted in Christ. And so we need to keep that in mind. So let's pray because we could go on and on, and maybe some of your questions will come back to this. But let's pray, and then I will take your questions. First of all, Father, we repent for all the ways we try to justify ourselves like the Pharisees. Lord, we repent for justifying ourselves while condemning our spouses and blaming them, God, for what those things that we need to take responsibility for, Father. Lord, we just thank and we praise you, Lord. You said in your word that if we bring all things to the light, God, you said, come let us reason together that our sins might be acquitted, God. And we thank you, Father God, that we can come and reason with you and that we can experience the freedom that Christ won for us through the finished work of the cross. We thank you, Father God, that we are complete in you, that we are whole in you in spirit and in truth, Father. So we bring our souls to you tonight, God, that they might be sanctified through your word. Lord, we thank you that tonight Jesus is the justification of every husband and wife that believes in you. Lord, we thank you that we are justified by faith, Lord, through the cross of Jesus Christ. We repent, God, for hiding and lusting, poor self-control, pornography, and Lord, just masturbation, all of those unrestrained sexual appetites, God, that bring us into bondage, Father. Lord, we just ask you to forgive us, God. We repent for being one way in public and another way in private to be admired by men and women, God. You said this is an abomination to you, God. You said in Titus, Lord, 116, that they profess to know you, but they deny you in the way that they behave. God, we want to profess to know you and honor you in the way we behave toward you and toward each other. And so, Lord, we also repent for hiding behind the word of God, delivering to others what we have not digested ourselves. Lord, for giving others a word that has not changed our own lives, God. We repent, God, for trying to change the world, God. And, Lord, just treat those in our own home wrong, God, and, and, and Lord, in a, in a manner that dishonors you and your kingdom, Father. And now, Father, in Jesus' name, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, You are our righteousness. You are our hope. You are our glory. You are our soon-coming king, God. We bless your holy name, God. We open our hearts wide to receive you, God. For you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful to just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, God. We thank you that our soul is cleansed in the name of Jesus. We thank you that our soul is whole and reunited and united with our spirit that is connected and in unity with you, Father. We thank you for bringing us into your kingdom. We thank you for the invitation, God. And we thank you that now that as we enter your kingdom, God, your kingdom is invading the heart of every husband and wife, God. 
Lord, we thank you that for husbands and wives that are opening the door, God, that you are dispensing and releasing revelation, God, to free your people, God, for freedom's sake, God, that we can experience more freedom, more power, more love, God, because we've opened up our hearts to you, God. Lord, we thank you for knocking on the door of the heart of your people tonight, God. We thank you for husbands and wives, God, that are taking the risk to open the door and allow you to come in and fellowship with them, God. Set up your throne in the soul of your people, God. Enable husbands and wives to make decisions that reflect the kingdom of love and the kingdom of truth, the kingdom of faithfulness and unity, the kingdom of responsibility and change and dominion, the kingdom of glory forever and ever in Jesus' name. Kingdom come. Lord, let your will be done in our marriages today, God, all throughout this nation, God. We thank you and we praise you and we litter this nation with your word in the area of marriage, God. Lord, we plant, Lord, the kingdom truths in this nation again, oh God. We thank you that your people are taking hold of your word like never before, God. Lord, that they are marrying your word, God, that your word is becoming engrafted in their heart, God. Lord, help our hearts to hold your word in the name of Jesus. We bless you and we honor honor you. We give you the glory and the praise, God. We say, be lifted up in this nation in the area of marriage. Lord, we say, God, arise and let the enemies of marriage be scattered in Jesus' name, God. We thank you for restoring marriage to the church, God. We thank you for restoring husbands and wives, Lord, as kingdom citizens, God, full of hope and full of glory, God. Lord, ready to give every man a reason for the hope that lies within them. And now, Father God, I pray the joy of the Lord would return to the heart of husbands and wives, God, that your joy would be their strength, Lord, that you would be their peace, God, that you would be their shield and their buckler, God. I thank you and I praise you, God, that you dispense wisdom, God, to the one that's contemplating divorce, God, to the one that's tired and weary, God. I pray, God, that as they wait upon you, you renew their strength tonight in Jesus' name, God. And Lord, I just bless you and I thank you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I bless you and I thank you, and I give you all the glory all across this nation. God, we lift up holy hands, and we declare that you are Lord and there is none like you. We declare that concerning marriage, heaven and worth would pass away, but your word will not pass away, God. We lift up your word, God. We lift up your word above your name, God. And we declare your word is true. Let every man be a liar. We declare you're watching over this word to perform it in the hearts of husbands and wives, God. We thank and we praise you that you're bringing a refreshing to the hearts of husbands and wives. Fresh drink, God. Fresh meat, God, in the name of Jesus. For there's always bread in Bethlehem, God. There's always bread in your house, God. Oh, God, there's always bread in your house, God. Now fill the houses of your people with your bread. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Amy, if you're on the line, we're going to go ahead and transition and take some questions and keep moving from there. Amy, are you still on the line? If you'll star six, we'll be able to hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. Oh, that was powerful. What a powerful word. Um, as I read questions, if you guys have any more and you weren't able to text them, that's okay because we'll leave uh, time for you to just, you know, chime in 
live right now. But one question is, what do you do if you believe in kingdom marriage, but your spouse does not? Well, praise God. Praise God. That's a great question. That's a, you know, one of the things I like about the kingdom, it is not dependent on anyone else. So our ability to operate in kingdom truths and kingdom principles should be happening whether or not our spouse is on board. Why? Because kingdom truths transcend, it, it, it transcends everything, including a spouse. So when we are speaking and living and practicing kingdom truths, our spouse comes under the influence of the kingdom and thereby can be sanctified by us. But it doesn't require agreement. That's the beauty of God. No one can hold up your destiny. Oh, they may delay it, but they can't hold it up. And so when we think about kingdom, if your spouse is not in agreement, uh, if your spouse isn't, it just isn't there yet for whatever reason, uh, then I return you to John 10, 17 through 19, which says, No one takes my life. I lay it down only to take it up again, this commandment I receive from my Father. The ability to lay down and take up your life also means you have the ability to discharge your life in response to kingdom truth regardless of anyone else on earth. Okay, and could you give us an example, um, a practical example of what that might look like? Okay, let me let me think for a minute what that looks like. Okay. Um, hmm. Here's I know, that. right on the spot. <laughs> you, you, you have one? Do you, you want to share one? No, 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 I said it's right on the spot. But just what would that look like? Um, what, what's an example of someone that's living kingdom with someone who's not? Like, what does that look like? Well, one of the um, one of the truths in the kingdom, one of the tenets of the kingdom is change. So every kingdom citizen is required to grow and change. So what that may look like, let's say, um, let's say a husband and wife decided and they started out praying together and you know going to church together and they were on fire together. And let's just say. Uh, the wife decides, eh, this, this is, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. This is, you know, this is baloney. I don't see any changes in my life. You know, you know, God took my daughter, my son. I'm just, I'm not doing this anymore. Well, you know, that husband can continue to pray, can continue to honor the prayer time that he and his wife set up together, continue to serve God the best way they can, and to love his wife as a sovereign act of his will. And what that means is that his love for her is not dependent on her response to him. It is dependent on who he is and who he chooses to be in response to God. I could get more practical than that. Let's just say the, the wife was cursing him out. And he, uh, you know, he just, this is too, I can't deal with this. Well, he doesn't have to. He may not be able to stop her from cursing. He just needs to, you know what? That's, that's, that's an offense to, to, to my soul. I'm going to step away. 
I'm going to step a step aside, and when we can talk reasonably, I'm, I'm here. I want to do that. It, it's really managing yourself versus trying to manage your spouse, and that's where the problem comes in. When we try to apply the word to our spouse versus live the word for ourselves. If we would just keep that one thing in mind, whatever you're doing, do all things unto the Lord. And in that, God can take care and give you wisdom to know how to relate to your spouse. I, I, I don't know if that was, was that clear enough, Amy? Yes, that, that was good. That is clear. And um, I want to take another question, so I want to go live. So you can unmute yourself by star six. Star six, if you have a question, star six, and go ahead and ask. We've got a quiet group on the phone tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We do. Let me look at text. You know, it's kind of hard when, you know, a lot of what we're doing in this phone, the, the, the thing that has to happen here is too, we are praying and declaring God's word. But whenever God is going to change something, like a mindset, he first has to, it, 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 at first it's kind of hard to receive. It's kind of like, what? What, what do you think? What do you mean? i got to go look at that up. You, because it's just, it's just you have to get your mind around thinking something different. Like, I don't know how many times I was told, you know, you know divorce and remarriage is a sin. Divorce and remarriage is a sin. And, you know, you can't divorce and remarriage because you'll be committing adultery. You'll be committing adultery. Well, that's not necessarily true according to the scripture. But we don't think and we don't look at it. We just take it, and that's the way it is. And it's not. And I just wish we had the time just to break it down even further with these different scriptures on marriage and divorce because we have to begin to deal with this because it's happening. And it's not going to stop. We perhaps can stem the tide and, and really begin to, you know, help people and support husbands and wives in different ways than we've had. But let's face it, whatever we've been teaching has got us where we are in the, in, in the church when it comes to marriage. And it's not a good place. So I, I do understand it takes time to digest something that is new to being heard. So I don't know how many of you have heard that scripture that way or read that scripture. I was reading right out of the Bible. But I don't know how many of you have heard it taught that way, um, but that's what the scripture says. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll keep keep at it. <laughs> okay, and another question is, why do you say that people need to grow and change? What about remaining the same and loving one another as we are? Well, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a twofold question. One we do have a responsibility to love and to love people as they are. As a kingdom citizen, we also have a responsibility to grow and change. Why? Because everything living is either growing and changing or it's dying. It's either growing, changing, maturing, or it's dying. You know, I used to get little dandelions when I was a little girl to take them to my mom and, you know, as soon as you cut that little dandelion, it's, the, it's beautiful, yellow. You put them in a vase. But the moment that that dandelion is clipped, it starts to die, no matter how pretty it is. And so either things are living or, they, or they're dying. Either they're growing and changing and maturing or they're, 
or they're dying. And so when we look at the marriage relationship, are the individuals in it growing and changing? A healthy marriage is only as healthy as the husband and wife in it. And in marriage today, we have many um, spiritually literate husbands and wives and emotionally illiterate husbands and wives. We have spiritually intelligent husbands and wives, but and often we see emotionally unintelligent husbands and wives. And so that's where the problem becomes because we have to grow. We have to grow emotionally, and that's hard work. But so, yes, we have to love each other the way we are because it's God's job to change people. And if we love them, then he has the best opportunity to change them. It's interesting to me, you know, the things that you that, that we enjoyed about our spouse before we got married are the things that become the irritations after marriage. You ever wonder why that is? Hmm. The things that attracted you, the things that you enjoyed, now become the source a source of irritation. They haven't changed and you haven't changed, but change is required. And the only way change can happen is if there's a level of discontent. That's a whole nother week. I better stop right there with that. I'm going to leave that right there. I'm going to leave it right there. Well, I have another written question. It's kind of like you date and you lie and you love it, and then you get married and you start telling the truth, and and then each one hates it. You know, it's crazy. (laughs) Question. We better take a question. (laughs) <laughs> well, I have another written one, but let me see if there's anyone on the line with the question. So if there's anyone on the line, you just star six and go ahead. Yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted, this is Patsy. I wanted to kind of piggyback on something you said, Kim, because uh, in reference to, um, you know, you said, why is that, you know, that uh, what, what seems to have you know, we seem to tolerate or it might be cute when you're recording becomes an irritant. Uh, I have a a few um, viewpoints, and and please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I happen to think, especially if you you were not a believer when you got married, first of all, it's probably the physical and the lust that drew you together. So once you come to the Lord, you realize, (laughs) hey, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. And so I think that that can can be part of the um, equation. And also, as far as the growth period, uh, wouldn't you also say that it it says in Scripture, in Romans 12, that we're to renew our mind. And renewing our mind is getting in the Word and learning what the kingdom principles and what kingdom is all about, which will continually... Uh, we'll, we should be evolving to, uh, to embrace those kingdom principles versus what we've held on to tradition or air or our own perceptions, uh, would you say? Thank you. I think that, that that's absolutely right that, um, yeah, you know, I, I think, yeah, I do. I think that when we get married, you know, we get married for different reasons. We all use the word love. And some people are honest enough to say not not love, but for the most part, we love or we like um, that person we choose to marry. And then, you know, as you said, you know, there's a requirement to conform 
you know, to the word and the will of God and, and being in the word. But there's a, there's, there's, and with that, there is a practical process. See, there, see the, word ha- the word plays itself out in relationship. That is, the word is not this thing just flying around over there. The word is spoken, and it goes into a situation, and it begins to do what the word does, whatever the word says. It begins to work that thing out. And so when we receive Jesus Christ, he comes into our life and begins to work it out, work our salvation with us out. And so there's a change that's expected of anyone that becomes a, a Christian, a kingdom, a kingdom citizen. And, um, I, but I tell you what, change is, is hard. You know, we know a lot about, you know, it, it's, you start, see, change requires you and I to be vulnerable. And we live in a world that hates vulnerability. We live, and even in the church, we, we just don't like vulnerability because we don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to get hurt. But the, the thing is that it's the place of vulnerability that real growth and change happens. And so we spend a lot of our time resisting becoming vulnerable or honest um, in relationship. And so we forfeit the opportunities to grow. And the scripture that, that, that goes with that, that that says that is this that um, God's strength is made apparent in weakness. Weakness is another word for vulnerability. So if we want God to show up in our life, the more vulnerable we are, the more opportunity He has to show up. I, I had this quote on my Facebook page. Someone put it out, and I shared it. It says. Hey, if you have something real difficult to do, forget what it exactly says, but he, and, and uh, if God is asking you to, to do something really, really difficult, one of two things are going to happen. One, if you fall, he's going to catch you. And two, or he's going to give you some wings. But the problem is if you're on an end of a cliff and you have to jump off, that is a very vulnerable, you can believe God is going to catch you. You can really, really believe that in your heart. But until you jump, you don't know. And that's the challenge. We can say all day long that we're Christian and we live this way, but until you are in a vulnerable place, we really don't know. And so in marriage, a lot of times, it's funny, it's interesting to me, we get married, we go to a wedding and we get all dressed up and then we spend the rest of our lives undressing. We start first with the wedding dress and all the clothes, and then when we get down, we and we get down past the underwear and we're naked. But there is even a disrobing that goes beyond our flesh that's required in marriage. And quite honestly, I don't think we're we're um, we're supported in that work. I don't think that work is talked about. I don't think we really get down into the nitty gritty in marriage. It's much easier to to. Uh, throw a scripture out or whatever have you. But marriage is messy. Why? Because Christianity is messy. Marriage is about transformation. It's a life for a life. Christianity is a life for a life. Christ's life for our life. Marriage is your spouse's life for our life. Here's a, uh, I'm going to say this, Amy. I know we need to go on, but I, I want to give this example because I, I think if, if you have life insurance, then somebody's paying the premium and someone gets the benefit. Now, I just got some life insurance for my grandbabies. Now, when I translate 
to this other life, which people here call death. But when I translate or in this event of death or translation, then my grandkids will, be, will get the benefit of X number of dollars. But I have to pass in order for them to receive. Jesus had to die in order for you to receive his life. So he paid the premium. You got the benefit of his life. And marriage is the same way. A lot of times, husbands and wives, they marry each other. With husbands and wives, they have to get to the place where, let me say it this way. When a husband and wife argue, they argue from their strengths. And usually it's trying to get the other one to be like, to think and do like the one, that person in their particular strength. And so in marriage, in order for your spouse to get your goods, that is the best of you, the best of your skills, the best of your abilities, the best of your, your, your thinking, your mind, the best of you, you have to lay it down. You have to take your hands off and freely make it available, whether they choose it or not. The best example is when you're getting ready to have lovemaking, you lay down. It's a position of offering yourselves to each other. But we don't even think about that in marriage. And that is difficult because it requires us to be vulnerable. That's good. And thank you, Patsy, for being brave and chiming in. (laughs) Before I have another written one, is there anyone else? Just star six. Do you have another question or comment? Okay, I'll go with the written. And this is from a couple weeks ago, and it says, um, this came from when we prayed in James 4. And just a reminder, James 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Okay, and then the question is that you had talked about God's request for something you had so that he can reveal more of himself and the frequency and intensity of the conflict you experience equals the degree of resistance you present. Could you expand? Uh, Yes. Okay. Let's just – yeah, I I can. I'm thinking – I'm trying to keep it real succinct so I don't don't lose anybody here. Um, Because some things just aren't a sound bite, and forgive me if I can't make them a sound bite. Um, But but in particular to this question – God's request for something you have so that he can release more of himself in you. Okay, let's say um, a husband, let's just say a wife. She's very strong. Uh, She gets things done, result-oriented, you know, works by a to-do list, very organized. And, in fact, when they got married, the husband just loved the fact that she was organized and able to, you know, just really make things happen to everybody's enjoyment and benefit. 
Well, let's just say they're on the honeymoon's over and they've been married a while, and now the husband experiences her as controlling and always wanting to do things her way, and it really doesn't matter what he says because he's going to do what she wants to do anyway. And they can't figure out how do we get from you really liking me take responsibility and charge and things like that to now here you hate it. Again, remember what I said is that you, you know, you, what attracted you to someone will also be the thing that becomes the irritation to you. And the, the irritation is one of two things. One, you need to change, and also it is a signal and it is feedback that that person, that wife, needs to evaluate with God what is the motivation behind my need to organize, fix, to-do list, and to you know, behave, if I could use the word, in such a rigid fashion in relationship. What's the motive? Remember the Pharisees, they were using the law to hide their impure motives. And we do the same. We may not, it may not be sex. It could be a tendency to be controlling of people. Not, you know, there's a difference between trying to control somebody and influence somebody. When you're, tr- I'm trying to influence you right now. However, I'm not trying to control the outcome. I'm not trying to c- control what you take away from this. I can't control what you take away from this. When I'm trying to control, when, I'm, when a person is trying to control, not only are they trying to influence you, now things have to turn out the way you need for them to turn out. So you'll do whatever you need to do to make sure you get the outcome that you want. That's controlling. So we're called to be influencers, but we're never called to control uh, people. So this wife will have to take a really face, and it might be difficult, some truths about the real motivation behind needing to be uh, so organized and neat and everything has a place. Maybe her dad was alcoholic, and when he got drunk, you know, everything was out of control and everything went flying in the house, and the only thing that she could protect was her little space. And in her little space, she kept everything so, so neat because that was the only place that wasn't going to get hit if dad lost his temper. I don't know. But the point that I'm making here is Paul's point. When I was a child, I did as a child. But now that I'm a man, I must put away childish things. So even if that wife learned how to keep things ordered and organized and lit, because that was the way she protected herself against her dad's chaos, now that she's married, she's not married to her dad, and God's not interested in her trying to survive. Remember, the Bible says he who seeks to save his own life will lose it. But he who is willing to lose his life for my sake will find it. So this wife in that situation, if she comes to the conclusion, wow, Lord, I am, you know, I am controlling. I I am trying to control, you know, what we do, how we do it, when we do it. Oh, my gosh, God, I don't want to be like this. I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. This is nasty. This doesn't reflect you. And then when she gets to that place, God is asking for that from her. He's not asking. He said, look, give up this. Give me the control. Give me your need to control. Give me your, your need to have everything in order. I'll take care of it for you. I'm asking you to let go of the need uh, uh, to control circumstances and your husband and all that. And if you will give up, if you will not try and control, if you will let it go, I will help you bring things in order. I will cause this man 
and, and influence this man to want to respond differently to you. The other thing in that particular scenario, so the God is requesting for her to let go of the need to control, assuming that's the impure motive, because controlling we know is not God. God doesn't try to control anything. He doesn't have a race of robots. So he's requesting her to let go. But why would it, is this the beauty of God? This particular husband perhaps has learned, doesn't matter what I do, because she's going to do what she wants to do anyway, so I'll just do nothing. So he just sits with the remote and does, not, does nothing. But what happens? When she lets go of the need to organize and control, she's been such a good example of what that looks like, despite the motive. Now the husband has a visual cue of what God could be asking for from him. Maybe God is asking him to be more responsible. Maybe God is asking him to make a list and carry out these particular things. Maybe God is asking this husband to step up and relieve his wife. So for his sake, because that's a kingdom principle too, to be responsible. And then what happens is she let go, as she lets go, as she rests in God, and as she decreases, he can increase. Was that clear? Or can I clarify it anymore? No, I think I think that was clear. And I know it's hard to I'm sorry, I'll say that's why I like to, you know, do the seminars and workshops because then we can deal with real examples, real-time stuff that's going on. And just to see the light bulbs go off on pe- in people's heads, it's just, it's an amazing experience. But I cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. That's absolutely true. And I think um, – For now, having these questions once a month is good to get some of this clarified. And two, next week when we talk about phase two, I think we'll have more opportunity um, to do some of that. So that'll be exciting to be able to do some more face-to-face. But I just want to give one more opportunity. Anybody else um, want to ask a question? And if not, we will go ahead and, and close out with the replay. But star six. Um, if there's any more last-minute last questions. Well, Amy, uh, we, have okay. a, a few, we, Amy we have a few minutes left. Let, let's do this. Um, let's get some feedback. If you're on the line and this is helpful to you, if you can just take a minute. There are many people on the line, so I uh, want to make sure that anyone that does want to chime in here or comment um, about the prayer call or anything, um, we want you to be able to have the opportunity to do that. So if you just take a minute, just give your name and just maybe take a minute. And if not, we'll we'll keep it moving. Question? Ms. Kim. Yes. Uh, we got two. I, I heard two people, and we're going to take both of you or wh- however many, many more. So why don't we just go one at a time? I heard the lady first. Yes, Ms. Kim, this is Lynn from North Carolina, and I just simply wanted to give you an encouraging word. Um, I think so many of us are silent because we don't know what to say or what to ask sometimes because we're digesting the information that we're receiving. It is a new era of kingdom teaching that we have been desperately in need of. But I just want to encourage you and bless you for 
answering the call that the Lord's put on your heart. Um, I am damaged or have been damaged goods from a divorce uh, and a failed marriage and did not pursue anything beyond that and have been happy in that. But this has opened up a dead area of my life, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your dedication. Thank you for sharing your insight, and I look forward to the journey with the Lord. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much, Lynn. Uh, uh, There was a gentleman on the phone. Yeah, the question was uh, the replay number. I'm presuming these are recorded. Am I correct? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. I uh, can give you that. I will give the I will give the uh, replay mo- number in just one moment. Is there anyone else that will want to make a comment? And if not, I'll go ahead, sir, and give that replay number out. I guess we're good, Amy. <laughs> Okay, yes, we are. This has been a really a great call and Lynn, thank you for for your comments. Um it's always great to hear your voice and um just really know that you're standing in for North Carolina and it's it's just really important right now and I just really appreciate you and I appreciate those of you who are standing in for your states, you know. It's amazing. I don't even know, think we understand the the width and the depth of what God is doing, of what Holy Spirit is doing right now in our country, and just being able to stand and pray even when we don't understand everything that he's doing, but just knowing we're standing. So thank you, guys, and um, I look forward to next week. But, yes, we are ready for the replay. Uh, actually, there was someone else that just texted me. If you'll star six, we should be able to hear you. Hello? Just text me. Yes, we can hear you. Hey, it's Darlene in Atlanta. God bless you. Hey, (laughs) I have to um, express to you how grateful I am for the time that you guys prayed or we prayed about um, leaders. Um, One of the things I found as a leader myself in my own church, is that um, it's it's hard for us to look to someone for help in the area of marriage when you're teaching about marriage. And so to be covered by this prayer line every week has been a tremendous blessing for me and my husband. Um, and I'm speak for myself personally. Um, but I see a lot of leaders in the church who suffer in silence. I don't know if it's just because of shame or or what the reason is, but they won't come forward. So um, the times that you pray for those are in leadership, pastors, ministry leaders of, you know, all areas. I, I benefited from that, and I'm still benefiting from every prayer every week. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. Please go. Well, thank you for saying Thank you for saying it matters. Yeah. It really does. It's uh, we're plowing ground. You know this work that we've been given to do. You know Jeremiah talks about uprooting, uh, plowing, uprooting. I wish I had it right here in front of me, but there are four things that he talked about that needed to happen in order to change a mindset. 
See, I'm not interested in changing behavior. We've done that. You know, we, we, we have all the self-help stuff. I'm not interested in changing behavior. I'm interested in changing the heart because when a heart is changed, the mind is changed. And so in order to change a mind or, um, or facilitate God being able to change a mind, because I don't change minds, God does, as we share his word and uh, what he has for us. But there are four things. There's an uprooting. There's a planting. Uh, there's a building. But there were four things. And we have to do those four things. And I'll talk about them next week in the area of marriage because there are, as you said, so many are suffering silently in marriage at very, very high levels. And this should not be. And I just believe that God has established this prayer line um, to cover leaders, to cover the body of Christ in the area of marriage, but also to bring revelatory truth to marriage. The Bible says, my people will hear my voice. And in order for them to hear the voice, it has to be spoken. And so, you know, in order to receive revelation, it has to be spoken into the atmosphere. And this is the, the decade of the mouth. And so we are right in time, in step with God. So I'm excited about next week to, to share with you the vision or the, the phase two of what we're going to be doing. And I hope as many of you as possible will take the journey with us. And let's go change some things in this nation in the area of marriage. Let's go take marriage back. It belongs to the church. doesn't belong to the world. And so that's what we're about and want to do. So we bless you. Well, the replay number uh, for today's call is, <clears throat> excuse me, the replay number for today's call is 605-475-4980. The access code is 341-000-POUND. And the reference code is 72-POUND, 72-POUND. This is our 70, 72nd call that we've had um, praying for marriages. So we are blanketing this nation in the area of marriage that God would invade the hearts of husbands and wives with kingdom truths and kingdom principles that he can be glorified in the earth through marriage. And so we just bless God for it. I always say this. I said, you know, marriage is a kingdom enterprise, a spiritual enterprise with a virtual address and a mortar and brick address. And so we're going to keep praying and keep doing what God would have us to do. And we thank you so much for getting on the call each week. And for those of you that financially support the work, we bless you. We appreciate you. We couldn't do it without you. And I'm excited. And Amy and I have been talking about uh, phase two, and we just got excited, just, just giddy talking about what God is about to do. So we will plan to see you on the call next week, God willing. What you can do in the meantime is share this call. Put it on your social media page. Comment on my page, Kim Moore Ministry. Share the call with people. There's so much of a need. And so we bless you, and we will see you on the call next week, God willing.